Good evening. Shana Tova. Tiva and Khatima Tova to everyone. I know most of the CDs are gone. Before I leave, I'll, if you want more CDs on the way out, I can give you more CDs. We decided to speak about, naturally, about Yom Kippur. Less than a week to Yom Kippur. We are now in the middle of Aseret Yemet Tshuva, between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, as this famous Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, that the Gemara says that there are three kinds of books by Hashem, one for the Tzadikim, one for the Rishayim, one for the Beinoinim. And uh, if you know, that once already I spoke before about these three books. I gave a lecture about it, asking what exactly is happening with those three books. Because according to the Gemara, hopefully, if we are benoinim, meaning mediocres, meaning now these moments are crucial for us. While you're eating the chulent, as actually eternity of our life is going to be determined. If we are tzaddikim, Baruch Hashem, we're already in a book of life. But we all know we're not. If we reshaim, Hashem irachem. If we benoinim, that's what we hope. Then we still have time until Yom Kippur. Meaning right now, these moments, what we're going to do in the next hour, and the next hour, and tomorrow morning, it's all going to change the scale for the good or for the bad. And I asked this famous kushia. I ask, what's going on here? The Chachamim that wrote this Gemara, obviously they were very realistic Chachamim. They didn't live in some kind of a bubble. They knew what's going on in the world, right? So when they wrote in the Talmud, Ravashi and Ravina, in Iraq, in Iran, that area over there, when they wrote all the wicked people immediately are signed for death, they saw that it's not the case. Many Rishayim continue to live another year and another year, business as usual. And when they wrote, Tzadikim are written in a book of life, they also saw that some of the Tzadikim are gone a few days after Yom Kippur, or even Nasseret Yemet Tshuva, they didn't even get to Yom Kippur. It happens all the time. Some die on Rosh Hashanah, some on Yom Kippur. But obviously you cannot, you cannot make it a scientific fact that the Rishayim are die right away, and the Tzadikim live right away, and the Benoinim, you know, we'll see by the end of Yom Kippur. Realistically, it wasn't correct. So the question is, what, what's behind what they say? So the answer is, it's completely different than what most people think. Most people think that we're talking about literally in this world, but obviously it's not the case. You have to be blind not to understand that it's not here. The answer is, when the Chachamim speaks about life here, they speak about life of eternity, not life in this world. Many, many times I said, and I have a whole lecture proving it, that every time the Tanakh speaks about life, it speaks about life of eternity, not life over here. Over here, it's not considered life, because if that's life, the Goim also live and the dogs also live. And the, and the wicked Jews also live. In that case, everyone is alive. If life over here, that's what Hashem refers to, Hashem irachem, we're in a very serious problem, if that's what he calls life. Because as soon as we are born, the battery begins to die. We begin to die. 
we born, the battery begins to die, 99, 97, 95, 91. Eventually, we don't know exactly how long is our battery, but eventually it dies. So we are in a process of dying. From the minute we came to the world, we began to die. We're in a process of dying. It may take 70, 80, or 90 years, but it's a, it's a process of dying. So for that, Hashem cannot call life. While we are dying, how does Hashem call it life? We are actually moving towards dead. So obviously, that's not what it means. Prophet Yechezkel left no doubt about what I said. He said, Chai Hashem, I swear on my name, I'm not interested to kill the dead. Rather, I'm interested that he will do tshuva, that he should leave. Meaning, right now, without tshuva, he's considered dead in my eyes. It doesn't matter how many millions he makes and what beautiful clothes he wears. That's not, that's not my concern. Right now, he's not connected to me. He's without tshuva. He's making averos. He's not learning Torah. He's not davening. He's not doing anything that I told him to do. I consider him dead. I can give him a million dollars tomorrow morning on a deal. But for me, he's completely dead, this person. I'm not interested to execute him. He's dead already. I'm interested that he will make repentance, do tshuva, that he should live. Meaning, what life is going to live? He's alive already. No. He's going to live, meaning, for eternity in the next world. It's clear. There's no question about it. If you read the entire Torah, it speaks about life of eternity. One more hint about it. When we daven in Aseret Yemet Shuvah, we know that we have four additions to the davening, to Tfilat Shmona Esre, plus two changes. The two changes, Amelech HaKadosh, Amelech HaMishpat, symbolize that these days, one of the most important thing is to make the, the creator of the world our king. All year around, we say that he's the king of the world. Million times a year, we say it. Baruch Atah Hashem, Elokeinu, Melech HaOlam, Melech HaOlam, Melech HaOlam. Melech HaOlam is not enough. Melech of our, our king, Avinu Malkenu, everything is now, you are our king. Of course, you're the king of the world. You're the king of Muhammad and Christ as well. But now we are specifically highlighting the fact that you are, besides the fact that you are our father, you are our king. And that's the secret be, when we say Avinu Malkenu. We learn the secret from, from Rabbi Akiva. He said three times Avinu Malkenu, the rain started when people were about to die any minute. Avinu Malkenu, what does it mean? The, the Gemara say, once we are doing Retzon Hashem, Avinu. We are his children. If we're not, is Malkenu, meaning we are servants, servants of the king. One way or the other, either it's our king or it's our father or both. That's the secret here. So in the in changes, we make a melech. It's very important, a melech. You don't say a melech, you have to repeat. But the four editions, the first two, I don't know if you ever pay attention, the first two, we say, zochrenu lechaim. Remember us to life. Or the second one is also chaim. And the last two, we speak about chaim tovim. First two, only chaim. Last two, chaim tovim. Why? What's the pshat? It's very deep. Who, first of all, who added those additions to the davening? The answer, the geonim. Thousand years ago, 1100 years ago. 
It wasn't from the Gemara. In the Gemara, I didn't mention it. Those four editions were added later to the davening by the Geonim. And the Geonim, obviously, were genius, just like their names are. And they knew the secret that I'm about to tell you. In the beginning of the davening, from Hashem Sfatai Tiftach until Amelech HaKadosh, or Ha'el HaKadosh, during the year, we are speaking about the upper world. This entire bracha, even though it's three, it's considered one. If you made a mistake, if you didn't say Amelech HaKadosh, you have to go to the beginning. You cannot cut in Yane Shamaim in the middle. It's not in your hand. Later, you're going to make all your requests. If you forgot where you are, you have to remember what's the last bracha I said and to start from there. But in, when you speak about praising Hashem, speaking about Hashem in the highest level, the first three brachot is one bracha. Consider one bracha. Because logically, the right way to do is, if a person made a mistake, he didn't say Amelech HaKadosh, he should have go back to Atta Kadosh, Veshimcha Kadosh. Again, they also have to go back to Hashem Sfatai Tiftach. It's brachot levatala. What? Since when we encourage brachot levatala? It's a violation of the Ten Commandments, or bracha she'ena tzricha. Over here, there's no permission to cut it in the middle. The first two editions is right here, speaking about life of eternity, the divine neshama, it's eternal. We don't say chayim tovim, we say chayim. Chayim over there, it's always good. There's no such thing, good or bad. Over here, sometimes life is good, sometimes it's horrible. But over there, there's no point of saying tovim. Saying tovim is disrespecting Hashem. Why? We're talking about life. Which life the Tanakh is talking about? Life of eternity. Always life of eternity. So therefore, therefore, we add Chaim in the first two, and then in the end, when we make all our requests for this world, we add over there, when we say thank you, give us Chaim Tovim, meaning over here. So we're speaking about this world, and then the next world. Okay. Now... When the Gemara says, Reshaim signs immediately for death, meaning if they would die today, they are going to be signed, chas v'shalom, to lose their share to the world to come. If the tzaddikim, if they're supposed to die today, if today I would take them from the world, where will I put their neshama? In a life of eternity place or in the opposite? The answer, tzaddikim, nechtamim, lealtar, lechaim, life of eternity. Benoinim, they make mitzvot, but they also do averos. To give them death for eternity, it's not fair. To give them life of eternity, it's not fair. Why it's not fair? It's not fair for the tzaddikim. The tzaddikim that work very hard, they got life of eternity. Those who are 50-50, they cannot get the same end like those who are 100% right. It's not fair. You came only five hours to work, and your friend worked 10 hours. It's fair that the boss will pay both of you the same? It's not fair. So the boss come to the one who came for five hours, and he say, you have to do a few more things now. I'm going to test you in the next day or two to see if I can pay you fully or I pay you nothing. In the end, you lose everything. You are in a trial basis until Yom Kippur. Everybody understand the concept that Yom Kippur can only help between Averot between us and Hashem. It won't help us if we have problem with our neighbor, with our friends, with strangers. We have to pay money. Even though it was now Shnat Shemitah, 
even though technically a lot of the loans that we took, we don't owe it anymore, but a real tzaddik, Yereshamayim, he pays it back. Because after all, retroactively, when you took the loan, Hashem said, Lover Hashavelo Yishalem. If a person doesn't pay, automatically from the beginning is considered to be Rasha if he doesn't pay. This possible, no, fine, Hashem had mercy on the poor people that cannot pay back. If a person has money and he doesn't want to pay, it's not so good. Don't take advantage, like the Ramban says. Sometimes a person doesn't actually make an Avera, but it's considered Naval Birshut Torah. It's Menuval with permission according to Halacha. What is it like? A person who sits all day and eats steaks. Did he make any Avera? He bought glad kosher bet Yosef. The highest mehudar. All day sitting eating steaks. And Naval Birshut Torah. All days with his wife somewhere and it doesn't come out of there. It's, it didn't make violation. She's not Nida, but it's Naval Birshut Torah. Certain things, even though technically it's permitted, every fool understands that it's not Ritzon Hashem. Same thing over here. So now we have to fix the problems that we have between us to people, between us to, to the neighbors, to the rabbis, to brothers and sisters. And the most important thing that some people don't pay attention is to the wives and to the children and to the parents. Those who are the closest one to us, we sometimes take it for granted. Ah, they're not makpid. Well, you'd be surprised. Um, sometimes a wife of a person can be makpid on him just when Hashem is about to judge his eternity. She's very, very upset from him, from the entire year. Sometimes he lives in such a bubble, he's not even aware of his situation. He's trying to be nice to the whole world and does chesed to the whole world. He's volunteering over here and Tom Cheshaves and volunteer over there and Hevrat Kadisha. And then in a house, he neglects completely his, his obligations. That's not chesed. Chesed starts at home. There's many different things like this that a person doesn't pay attention to. The Gemara says like this. Tana le chia barav midaf tiktiv. V'initem et nafshotechem v'tishal achodesh v'erev. She torture yourself in the ninth of the month, ninth of Tishrei, Ba'erev, in the evening. The Gemara says, We're not fasting on the ninth, we're fasting on the tenth. What does it mean on the, on the ninth? V'alobasaramitanim,ela'lomarlecha'kolaochelveshotebatshi'i'ma'alea'lavakatuvki'ilumitanetshi'i'va'asiri. If a person eats a lot on Erev Yom Kippur, all days eating, 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 since when is allowed to eat too much? Over, now, over here, it's the only day of the year that it's mitzvah to eat a lot. Eating, washing, eating, washing, eating, washing, all day like this. Person is full. Once he's getting into Yom Kippur, he's full. Yom Kippur is considered another day of fast, like you fast two days. Two days. I want to ask you a question. When is it possible, besides a sick person, not talking about someone that has diabetes or he, the doctor forced him to eat on Yom Kippur, no. We're talking a complete healthy person 
When is it possible? We know that if a person eats on Yom Kippur, it's karet. It's no joke. It's serious punishment. When do we find that a person now sits and eats like a king on Yom Kippur and is not considered an Avera from the Oraita at all? Sitting now, eating the steak with french fries, ketchup, licking his fingers, not an Avera on Yom Kippur. Less than a shiur is so the oraita. You don't get malkot, but chazi shiur it's also so mina Torah. No, I'm talking on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur. No, no. He ate so much and saudam of seket is about to vomit. Now, if he's going to eat again, it's achilagasa. Same thing in afikoman. According to some opinion, the matzah that we have to eat in the end of Lela Seder, that's the main achilat matzah. Some say it's in the beginning, some say it's in the end. Therefore, we have to leave some room not to eat too much on a meal. Clever person eat almost nothing in Pesach, because it's enough already. The maror, the matzah, first time, then again, they're already stuffed. Now you're going to sit and eat meat and all kinds of things, and then you stuff, and then you come to eat the afikom, and you're about to vomit already. You're not hungry. It doesn't consider achila. It's achila gasa is not count as achila. So if technically it's possible that you see someone on the night of Yom Kippur, beginning of Yom Kippur, an hour later, eating a delicious meal, technically, and is not bechlal chayav. Well, of course, we're not going to do it. But that's the point of eating all day on Yom Kippur, meaning that when you enter Yom Kippur, Baruch Hashem, you ate enough, for the entire day, it's considered mitzvah. The Gemara says, Amar Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel, lo ayu yamim tovim l'Yisrael kechamisha asar be'av ukeyom ha-kippurim. There's no better days than two be'av, and we know the reasons for that. And yom ha-kippurim. Why yom ha-kippurim? Please tell me why yom ha-kippurim. Why yom ha-kippurim is such a great day? If you're going to say to me, because Hashem is willing to forgive our sins, what can be better than that? My answer to you would be, so what? We are educating ourselves to be naval birshut ha-Torah? Ha-Omer, ikhtav ha-Shuv, ikhtav ha-Shuv, Yom ha-Kippurim, soon Yom ha-Kippurim, we'll count on Yom ha-Kippurim. That's all, the Ebed, Yom ha-Kippurim will help. But l'chadkhila, you should count on Yom ha-Kippurim? What kind of a tzaddik counts on Yom ha-Kippurim? Makes an Averot. Soon Yom HaKippurim will come. I'll do tshuva, slichot, five times slichot. Everything will be fine. Huh? Right. What's the real reason why Yom HaKippurim is considered a great day? I always thought because it's Yom Slicha Mechila. It's an opportunity. You come to the sheriff, how much I owe you? $30,000 penalty, tickets, violation. The sheriff said, okay, wait, wait. If you come next Monday, be here in the morning between 9 and 5, it will go down to $500, and you're going to get a letter, and you clear, and everything will be fine, and you can start fresh. No, that's a great day, no? That Monday that he's going to come. So fantastic. What you can do in one day, you cannot do in months of tshuva. What you can do in Yom HaKippurim. If you do tshuva, 
That's what everybody thinks. But really the main reason is שניתנו בו לוחות שניים. That's what the Gemara says. ניתנו בו לוחות שניים. That we finally got the second luchos. Meaning there was a possibility not to get the second luchos and to stay without luchot abrit ever. Without the foundation of our religion, the Ten Commandments, we could have lost it for good. But don't forget that the second commandments is not as great as the first one. It's not as great, it's a little bit less. What's less? The first commandments, Hashem designed the tablets and wrote the letters from A to Z. The second commandments, he said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you go and prepare the tablets, and then I'm going to write the commandments. Plus, the situation that we had with the first commandment will never return. Now we have problems with shichecha, we forget things. Before a person learns everything, he remembers everything. We know in the generation, I know about five rabbis, some of them young, that have unbelievable memory. Meaning everything they ever learned, one time they learn for the rest of their life. They learn the page, the source, every line, every opinion, every name. Mamash, a gift from Hashem. When you see someone like that, like was Rav Uvadia Yosef and some others, they have, or Rav Chaim Kanievsky, that have such memory. When you see such memory these people have, besides their Kedusha, which is an, an amazing gift, you can see the difference right away between someone who remembers everything and everything for him it's very easy because he remembers right away where to open, to someone who has to search for half an hour every time he's looking for, for a source. It's a big difference. Imagine life without forgetting. Why from all the punishments in the world Hashem chose to punish us for the first commandments to have forgetfulness among other problems? Forgetfulness, is it something good or something bad? A person drove from Muncie to Brooklyn. He got to his apartment, he forgot the key in Muncie. What a nightmare now. Now he has to go back, traffic again, until finally he made it after three hours of headache and tolls and got it. He cannot enter his apartment. Now he has to drive one o'clock at night all the way back, pick up the key, wake up the people, drive back. Here is one example of forgetfulness, how much a person can suffer. Person drove to the airport, he has to fly to his daughter's wedding or brother's wedding, he forgot the passport. Or he brought the one that is expired, he forgot to take the new one. Imagine the nightmare now. After he's going there and waiting online, he comes to the desk. Sir, your passport expired. No, what are you going to do now? Forgetfulness can be crucial. Why Hashem gave it to the world? The answer is, it's actually a gift, believe it or not. Why? If a person will not forget he didn't have such thing, as soon as someone that he loves died, he would sit to cry for the rest of his life until he died. He wouldn't be able to stop crying. Because the pain, every hour, the pain would be exactly like it just happened. Another 10 hours, it's just like it happened. 10 days later, you still cry like it just happened. Why now a person goes back to life slowly, slowly? Because slowly, slowly, he forgets about the tragedy. A little bit, 1% less, 1% less. A year later, he walks around like nothing happened. Why? Hashem gave it as a remedy. It cures the person. 
one tragedy, you're done, otherwise. There's no way to live. So, so basically, when it says that Yarda Shichichal Olam, when the first commandment broke, that's actually, we got a gift for it. Not a punishment. The answer, no. We always had forgetfulness. But we didn't have forgetfulness when we learned Torah. That's the difference. You can forget things, tragedies, things people forgot before also. But to learn Torah, you would learn it's impossible that the neshama will forget it. Because remember, if a person forgot his Torah, if I hypnotize him right now, I get all the Torah he learned in his life out of him. It's all is in, in his neshama. It's in the subconscious. You can hypnotize him, ask him, what did you learn a year ago in this date? And this time, oh, I learned Hevruta with this guy, we learned Kiddushin, we learned about this, we learned about that. Everything like it's live right now. It's all recorded. Every beep you ever heard in all your Gilgulim, it's recorded in the Neshama. So obviously when you learn Torah and you forget it, it's a punishment, it's not a gift. If you forget other things, fine. So, there was uh, arguments in the Gemara if Yom HaKippurim mechaper, even though a person didn't make tshuva. Rabbi says that etzem Yom HaKippurim already mechaper. Rabbi is, he wrote the Mishnah, he's not a beginner in a Baal Tshuva Yeshiva. Uh, you know, he knows very well. Also, some Gilgul Shel Yaakov Avinu, no? So how is it possible to think such a thing? How is it possible that one of the biggest Chachamim in the history would say such a thing? We have to understand what's going on here. What was he really holding la'alacha? That a, earring, a person with a earring and ponytail full of tattoos, smoking drugs, and driving his car on Shabbat, Yom Kippur come and all his sins are gone? So what do we need Torah for? What do we need Torah for? <laughs> well, every Yom Kippur, everything starts new, what? No? So a person can go until 870, 75, no problem, do whatever you want. Anyway, Rom Kippur, come and clean everything. Once I get to 70, I'll be more careful. I don't want to have too many because maybe I will die before Yom Kippur three, four months. It's already thousands of sins. So once I get old, you know, I feel that I'm getting older now. I'm in my 70s, then 80s. I'll be a little bit more careful, not so wild. But then, 18, 19, 25, 30, most likely I won't die. Most people live longer. What's the risk? What do we need Yom Kippur? What do we need 40 days Slichot? What do we need Avinu Malken? What all this for? Well, well, what's, Rabbi, what's the Pshat here? Do you ever understand what he says here or no? Did you ever think about it, Bechlal? How does such a huge machloket between the opinion of Rebbe and the opinion of Chachamim and the Alacha Yom HaKippurim Eno Mechaper Lelot Tshuva Eno Mechaper Let's go into the main part of Yom Kippur which is Mincha Eneila Yom HaKippurim has five tefillot five prayers all year we pray three times a day Shabbos four times a day Yom Kippur five times a day the Arabs, they're always busy trying to prove to us, to the Jews, that they are better than us. So they saw that we pray once a year, five times a year, five times a day. So they made it by them five times a day, every day. You do it once a year, we'll do it every day. 
I don't tell you it's only five minutes each time, but still, fine. They want to prove. They saw that our ladies are very modest. At least that's how it used to be back in the time when Islam started 1,400 years ago. So they decided also to follow and copy modesty, but to do it more than us, to also cover the face. The Torah said not to cover the face. Why? Panim shows the inside of a person. When Yehuda saw Tamar, why? The prostitute used to cover their face, even though there's different opinions also. But they thought, we'll do even more modesty, we'll cover the face also. I only never understood why the women, the Arab women, they take pictures. All of them, you can only see the eyes. What's the point of taking pictures? This part I never understood. You know? How do they know who they are? You see five black tents. Do you know who's inside? I never understood that, but it's okay. Let's talk about the main part of Yom Kippur. The main part of Yom Kippur is the last hour, Filat Neila, that Hashem sends the Malachim, the angels, out of the Bedin and is judging us by himself only. Meaning, the judgment is with lots, lot, a lot more mercy than before. So we come to the most important hour of the year, it's Filat Neila. A person can turn everything around to positive in this hour. But right before that, we have the Mincha. And we read in Mincha, in Parashat Acharemot, all the Gilui Arayos, all the main sins of the Torah with death penalty, one after the other. And right after that, we read Aftara of Maftir Yonah. It's not a coincidence that this Haliyah, Maftir Yonah, in a Sephardic shuls, I don't know how it goes by Ashkenazim, because I know by the Ashkenazim usually they don't sell the Aliyot. But the Sephardim, they sell the Aliyot all the time, even on Shabbos, most places. And uh, Maftir Yonah usually is the most expensive Aliyah of the year. It goes to up to $700,000 per Aliyah in some shuls, the rich places. They pay up to $700,000 just to get to this aliyah. Why? Why people are so anxious to get maftiriona? Because they read three pages from the Tanakh. For that they're excited, willing to pay so much. Some shuls don't make it in 10 years from the entire people of the shul. Right? Pamaim Chai, 52, 10, 15, 72, all together after a few years, Baruch Hashem got to 700000 one aliyah boom. The answer is because it's gula le parnasa. It's gula le parnasa. I have a much better gula. A poor person come, you give him a hundred dollars, mitzvah de oraita, with a guarantee from the Torah that Hashem will bless you. Better than gula, no? Direct promise from Hashem. I don't found anyone that can give me teruts to this kashia. People would pay fortune for zgulot, but for guarantee from Hashem, come back next week, I'm, I'm not home today. <laughs> come back next week, I'm not home. Top, what's the secret of this maftiriona? Why we read it in the most important hour of the year? Obviously, Hashem sends Yonah ben Amitai, the prophet, the Navi, 
to the city of Nineveh, they all idol worshippers, Reshaim Gdolim. And Hashem wants them to have one more chance to do tshuva before he will destroy all of them. And Yonah ben Amitai is not so happy from the shlichus that Hashem gave him. He's very upset. He doesn't want to go. So he's playing tricks. He's playing tricks. But it's a lot deeper than that. Let's see. Let's see a little bit some of the secrets of this. So Hashem comes to Yonah and he said, go to Nineveh. And Yonah refused to come to Nineveh and tell them the prophecy that Hashem gave him. He's refusing. So he's running around. Running here, running on a boat. He doesn't want. Later, when we read, Yonah explains why he doesn't want to go. Hello. He's running to the city of Tarshish. Instead of the emet, he changed. He said, What's going on here? There's two kushiot right here. He said, the reason I don't want to go and give them the nevoah, the prophecy, the reason I don't want to go is because I know that you, God, what are you? You are a merciful God with lots of patience, lots of kindness, and regret, regret your intention to punish people. You only have it in the beginning, and then you change your mind, you regret, and you, in the end you won't punish. Meaning, after the people will do tshuva, you're changing your mind and you're giving up on the, on the plan that you had for these wicked people. The next day, you give up what you wanted to do. So for that, I don't want to go. I refuse to cooperate with your plan. What is going on here? I'm sure you read it at least 20, 30, or 40 years of your, of your life. Did you ever thought what's going on here? Imagine Hashem comes to us and say, go to Manhattan over there. And speak to John Smith and tell him to get ready. His entire building is going on fire tomorrow. So he answered to Hashem, I'm not interested to go because I know the way you are. They're going to do tshuva and you will forgive them. I, I, I don't agree with you. It's not fair. I'm not going. Do you know? Can you imagine such thing or no? First, we know one of the main reasons Yonah doesn't want to go, he doesn't want to have Kitrug on Am Israel. He knew that these Goim, as soon as they will hear that their end is coming, they will do tshuva, or at least there is a possibility they'll do tshuva. And after that, thousands of years, the Jews will suffer from it. Why? Because every time that the prophets will talk to the Jews, and they are stiff-necked, Am Kshe'oref, and they will not do tshuva, the Satan will take it and use it against us and will get destroyed. He said, I'd rather suffer. I won't give them the nevoah. Let them die as long as I save my nation in the future. Same thing, the Gemara says, Kashim gerim leisrael kasapachat. Convert in a Jewish nation is like a skin cancer, like some kind of a skin disease. 
צפחת, why? Many converts are very big tzaddikim. What's the problem? Some of the biggest rabbis come from converts, or they themselves convert. Shmayav, Talion, Rabbi Akiva come from Gerim, many others. So what's going on here? Ma, the Chachamim wrote against themselves? Who wrote it? Some of them were sons or grandsons of Gerim. So they speak about their fathers and grandparents when they wrote it in the Talmud. Kashim Gerim L'Israel Kasapachat. One of the reasons are when these gerim become balei tshuva and they keep mitzvot, they become so strict, they didn't leave their nonsense to become modern orthodox. Not for that they came. Most of them come to be real orthodox, which is very rare today. Very rare. So they came to be real orthodox, not nonsense, baloney, fake. Because they take it so serious, they makpid on kalakiv hachamura. When the Satan comes to Hashem every day, he uses them as an excuse to destroy us, the Jews, their form from birth. Look at this Hasidish guy. Look at this Litvish guy. Look at this Faradi. They're all born to if their father was big rebbe. Look how they behave. Look at the convert. Two years. Two years. Shomer Shabbos, a thousand times better than him. What are you going to answer? Comes Yom Adin. This convert, Mechaev Asbadin. That's one of the pshatim of Kashim Gerim Yisrael Kasapachat. On the other hand, you may come and say, okay, so let's do like the takana of the Syrian community. We don't accept Gerim, Bichlal. Even Tzadikim, nobody can convert. Nowhere. Not in Mexico, not in Brooklyn. Syrian communities, the door is locked. So what we, how can we do such thing? The answer is, the Torah says, one of the reasons Hashem scattered the Jews in all the countries in the world, lo pizer akadosh baruchu et Yisrael ben haumot, ela kedei leharbot alehem gerim, to make a lot of converts. Meaning Hashem is interested that a lot of these idol worshippers will become Jews and stop with their nonsense and become from Jews. It's written in the Talmud. The Takana that they made, it's a Takana of very big tzaddikim 80, 90 years ago. The reason they did it is because they were a very successful community. Baruch Hashem, they blessed. And in every country that they live, they right away went to financial power, serious financial power. Mexico, Panama, United States, everywhere. And right away, a lot of these chickses, right away they see money, they will convert to anything you want, as long as you're going to live the, the lifestyles that they sing. And they started to see that it becomes very dangerous. Why? It's not Giyur L'Shem Shamayim. It's Giyur for different reasons. Every week somebody will bring another one. Okay, I want to convert a rabbi. I want to marry her. They started to see it's going to destroy the community. It's a very united community. They made a takana. Et la'asot la'ashem aferu toratecha. It wasn't done by little puppets. It was done by very big chachamim. They saw where it's going. Some, some of them told me if this takana would not take place, our community would be destroyed by now. That's what saved our community. So, who am, who am I to say what's right, what's wrong? I'm just telling you. The question is, 
that the Gerim, the Gemara say, in one hand, Hashem wants to, you know, to show the whole world the truth of his Torah. On the other hand, Kashim Gerim L'Israel Kasapachat. Yona Anavi, he already saw where it's going. So he say, you know what? What's the worst can happen? Hashem will destroy me. Kovesh Nevuato. I'm Kovesh Nevuati. I'm not going to say the Nevuah. I'll take the suffering. As long as I save my nation with that. It's a problem. What? You think you know better than Hashem? So let's see what's, what happened here. The dialogue between Hashem and Yonah, it's incredible. So it said to Hashem, he didn't say Rav Chesed ve'emet. Why? Emet, it's not always mercy. It's the opposite of mercy. A judge in a, in a court that he has to sentence a person to death. Sanhedrin. If he's Mechal Shabbos and he got a warning and you call him again for the same Avera, you must execute him. If you're going to say, okay, I'll give you a second chance, you go against Hashem. That's the emet. The emet is execution. What can you do? You don't want to execute him, but you have to do it. Emet and mercy is two opposites. How do we say in Tehilim? That Hashem is Rav Chesed ve'emet. Chesed and Emet is two opposites. Chesed is a free gift. You don't deserve it. Emet, you worked. You earned it. You deserve it. How do they put in one pasuk two opposites? Chesed is free gift and Emet is what you deserve to get. The answer, when a person receives a reward from Hashem, he knows I don't deserve it. It's Chesed. When a person gets punishment from Hashem, he knows I deserve it, emet. That's a tzaddik. When he gets something bad, lost money, chaz shalom sickness, one of these things, he says, I deserve it. People come and say, how come a tzaddik like you got such a punishment? Right, the way is to say, chaz shalom, what a tzaddik, I deserve a lot worse. Baruch Hashem, Hashem had mercy on me. Why? If Hashem gave it to me, I deserve it. If Hashem gave it to us as a nation, we deserve it. But when we get a gift, we should never take it for granted and say, oh, we deserve it. No. Gift is always chesed. Punishment is always emet. That's what it means, Rav chesed, ve'emet. Depend who, when it's good or when it's bad. So now, listen to this. Yonah refused to accept the fact that Hashem forgive the sinners. The, the Chachamim, Chazal, in the Yerushalmi, in Masechet Makot, Amud Bet, right in the beginning of Makos, Chazal are saying, the problem is not specific about Yonah. No. It's about the prophecy in general. Sha'alul they ask the wisdom, Sins attract tragedies, problems, punishments. That's the chokhmah. It's very logical. That's what the Torah says. They ask the nevuah. Nevuah. Same thing. Everyone who committed a sin is responsible for his sin and he's going to pay the price. They ask Hashem, 
חותם מהו עונשו? אמר להם, יעשה תשובה ויתחפר לו. He will do תשובה, repentance, ויתחפר לו. He will be forgiven. The nevoah, the prophecy, does not accept the fact that Hashem is willing to forget a criminal after he did tshuva. Same thing chokhmah. Chokhmah and nevoah, they could have answered the same thing like Hashem. What, they didn't know that it's written in the Torah, v'shavta ad Hashem elokecha v'shamata bekolo, but they refused to answer this. Only Hashem is the one that answered. Yaseh tshuva v'yitchaper lo. The nevoah, the concept of nevoah, say it deserves to get a punishment. Wisdom, it deserves to get a punishment. Midat adin. Hashem, he will do tshuva, it will not be a punishment. Top. So Yonah obviously is a navi. Yonah is midat adin. Who is Yonah? Who is Yonah? Who is Yonah? Who is his parents? Where, where did he come from? The answer, Yonah is the son, as Chazal say in Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, chapter 32. Yonah is the son of the widow that Eliyahu Navi revived. The son of that widow. When he gave him life, a part of his neshama entered his body. Eliyahu Navi was 100% Midat Adin. Three years everybody suffered, no food, no nothing. Eliyahu was no games. Was very strict. A part of him went into Yonah. That's why his name Yonah ben Amitai. Amitai, Emet. By me it's Emet. There's no such thing. You're going to do Hocus Pocus one or two days, you do Tshuva and... 20 years of Averos will go down the drain. There's no such thing. I cannot accept such thing. It's not fair. Bottom line, that's what it comes down to. He was holding that it's not fair. Imagine now you go, you didn't pay the electric bill for 20 years. They made a mistake in a computer. So now free air condition non-stop in, in the winter, the heat is on 95. You turn the heat on 95 and then you turn the air condition. Why? It's free. At least you feel you're making money. <laughs> you understand? So what happened over here? Then the greed expand. The greed. Why? I'm only saving $2,000 a month. I can make money on the neighbors. Leibovitz, Moskovich, Cohen, come here. How much you pay electric? 700, 800, 500, 50% off from now on. Take as much as you want. Here is cable for me. Use as much as you want. Now your, your neighborhood became like a spider web. <laughs> Quartz go to the entire neighborhood. A million dollar a month electric bill. 20 years like that. Now you owe 200 million dollar. One day, Hevrat Hashmal, Rockland. They say, something is not right here. We sell so much electric and we lose money. Oh, they found. Oh, of course. $200 million loss. That's the profit of the last 20 years. Right, the FBI, fraud. Wee, wee, helicopter comes in your house. You know how they come with the guns. <laughs> like Bin Laden is here. Handcuffs, right away, Channel 4. No. 
Now you come in front of the judge, the entire Rockland County is ready to kill you. We pay higher and higher bills because of you, no? So you come to the judge, you say, dear Judge Jackson, please listen. Listen to me one minute. Let's make a deal. From now on, I'm gonna say, I'm, I'm very sorry, I made a mistake. The greed took me over, but it will never ever happen again. I will write an apology later to Rockland and uh, County, whatever, to the electric. And from now on, I will start paying my bills on time exactly for everything I'm going to use. Thank you, goodbye. <laughs> the judge will say, take him to psychiatric evaluation immediately. <laughs> and he will add 10 more years to your prison. If you wanted to put you 20 years in prison, right away you got 10 years extra for your chutzpah. So how does it work by Hashem? I don't get it. This is exactly how it works by Hashem. Hatanu, avinu, pashanu, another million sins. Lev nishbar venitke. Let's assume that we really have a broken heart. And we really cried. And we really regret and ashamed and accept never to repeat the sin. And Yom Kippur came and we fast and everything fine. And on a chi of Tishrei we ate non-stop. We did everything right. We went to Slichos 40 days, even if we are Ashkenazim. <laughs> so we did it right, 100% according to all Kola Shitot. Billions of sins can go down the drain. Not only that, if he does Tshuva Me'ava, he turns into Mitzvot. The 200 million you owe the electric company, they send you a certified check now. Thank you for stealing electric from us. 200 million you get. Huh? That's why Yona doesn't understand what's going on here. 100% logical. You cannot understand. How can it be such thing? So, not only that, by the way, I want to ask you a question. If a person is a murderer, he murdered people, and now he comes to court in a secular court here in America and said to the judge, from now on, I promise never to kill again. Let me go. And the judge will let him go. Anyone in this country will agree with this kind of judgment? Even if he cried and said, I promise I will never kill again. What do you mean? You have to go to jail for the rest of your life. What do we care that now you decided to be tzaddik? Where were you in the last 20 years? This concept is not logical. That's why Hashem created tshuva before the world was created. Because it cannot fit in the laws of nature. We can't. It ha it's something against all the logic of the law of nature. So Hashem had to create it separately before he actually made the world. So Yonah is saying, that's not emet, I'm very sorry. Venicham alara, he changed the emet to nicham alara. So now, this is it. Hashem said to Yonah, listen to the answer of Hashem. He said, Translation. 
You just had mercy on the kikayon. What's kikayon? It's a special bush, tall bush, that makes shades. You can go underneath and cover yourself from the heat of the Middle East. So he went, he found it, and he said, Ah, Ishtabach Shemo, Hashem got me this place to hide. That means Hashem really wants me to be here. First, you have to understand one thing. Why did Hashem forgive, forgave the people of Nineveh? They all fast, they put ashes, they sat with a sack, and they really did tshuva. The king, everybody, all the goyim did tshuva. And after that, they didn't get destroyed after 40 days. But why did Hashem really forgive them? Because they wore sack? Because they put ashes? Because they were fasting? No. What, is, what does it say in the Sefer Yonah? What does it say? Vayar Hashem et maaseem. Hashem saw that they changed their actual actions, the way they behave. They changed the way they behave. They worked on their midot, on their character, so they changed it. So as a result of their changing their bad habits, Hashem gave them a chance to live. By the way, not that many people know that two years later they all got killed. So Yonah was right about his argument. That's why he was staying to see if after I told them the prophecy, how long their tshuva would last. Why? I'll tell you why. Because the Gemara is telling us that the tshuva that they made was incredible. There was no tshuva like this ever. If one person stole a piece of wood in a building, he knocked down the whole building to return the piece of wood to the owner, even though he technically had to come and give him $10 for the piece of wood. He doesn't have to knock down the whole building. They say, we don't play games. If God wants to kill us, we must return everything we stole. Here is, this is your sheep. This is your goat. This is it. They destroy the idols. They make real tshuva. The tshuva that they did was more than necessary. Even more strict than the laws of tshuva. Especially for goyim. So Yonah said, tshuva like this cannot last. Can't. It can't be. How long are they going to last? You need, you need energy for that. It's killing you. You can't. He was holding there to see how long until they yachzeru lesuram. So Hashem said to him, the next day he saw that this bush, the kikayon, got dry. The worms ate it up. So he got very upset. Wow, that, I thought yesterday that Hashem gave me a sign. That he gave me a shelter here that I should stay here overnight. Now I see I was wrong. So he felt very bad for the bush. Hashem comes and says to him, the bush that you did not raise, you didn't work on this bush. You saw how the bush got destroyed. It broke your heart. And you want me to kill 120,000 people, children, women? I don't get it. What's, the, what's between what Yonah felt and what's the answer of Hashem? There's no connection. If that's the answer, Yonah should have said to Hashem, excuse me, why didn't you have mercy on the people of Sdom and Amora? There's also children over there. It was also a big city. Why you did not send them a Navi? Why didn't send the prophet to Sdom and Amora? Send Avraham Avinu or the Navi. Avraham was begging for their life. Maybe there's some tzaddikim. Tell Avraham, no problem. You feel bad for them? Go give them a warning. 40 days before I destroy them. 
Why by storm Hashem did not send them a Navi and by Ninvei send them a Navi? That's one kushia. Second, please tell me what's the connection between the kikayon, the bush, to the fact Hashem already told him that it's written that Hashem forgave them because they changed their bad things. They changed their behaving. What does it have to do with the fact that there's 120,000 people? They're all Rishayim. What? In Sdom, they're also Rishayim. So it says like this. It says like this. When Yonah saw that Anshin in Veh made tshuva, he decided to stay around. He went to the east, outside of the city. He made a sukkah. He sat there in a shed. He's not rushing home. Staying over there. Finish his mission. He wants to know how long this tshuva will remain. Chazal in Masechet Ta'anit, page 16, they say, if someone there stole anything that they stole, they knocked down the building to return it. That's how good their tshuva was. But Yonah knew because of that, this tshuva would not last. And when he saw the bush, he was very happy because he thought that's, a, that's an approval from Hashem that I have to stay to see what's going to happen here. But the next day when he lost the bush, he felt very bad. Now Hashem is using it against him. He said to him, for the bush you felt bad. By the way, many people ask, why Hashem gave a mitzvah of Shiluach HaKen? Where is the logic of this mitzvah? Hashem already told us in the Torah, Tzar Ba'alechaim, that Hashem has mercy on animals. should not torture animals. Why he gave us the total opposite mitzvah? You come to the Yonah, to the dove, you kick the Yonah from the can, from the nest, you take the babies, you put them away, they die. What's going on here? It's against Hashem logic. Hashem already showed us that He has mercy on animals as well. It's marash, like davar v'ipucho. The answer is, when the Yonah comes to Shamayim to cry, it brings mercy on the world. That's one reason. That doesn't answer the question. Hashem couldn't find something else to bring mercy to the world. He needs to contradict himself. The answer is, this answer will give you the answer. <coughs> when a Jew does this mitzvah, they saw in a, they, now they published a book about the life of Rav Ovadi Yosef by Rabbi Shitrit. Rabbi Shitrit was the rabbi who sat with him for 22 years, for hours every day, and wrote more than 15 of his books. He was the one who typed everything, they went together, and he was typing and publishing the books. As he was doing it, he had a diary. He wrote about what used to, to happen every day there in his, in his house, in his office, in his house. They used to go to places, things, what used to happen, things he told him. Lots of interesting things. This book it became a fantastic Musar book. Fantastic. Well, you know, so he said that one time that when Rav Ovadia Yosef went to do mitzvah Shiluach HaKen, he was actually crying. And was actually asking for the dove from the Yonah for forgiveness. Please forgive me. What can I say that my creator ordered me to do such thing? 
I was actually doing it with a broken heart. And this is exactly the point. No matter who is the Jew that does it, you feel bad about it. Even if you're not Gdol Ador. Still have feelings. You see the dove comes and you see there's no, the babies are gone. It's not a pleasant thing to do. One day when we die, Hashem will use it against us. He's going to show us how the heart broke when we did this mitzvah. And then Hashem will say, tell me, why were you almost crying when you did this mitzvah? So you would answer, I'm separating the babies from the mother. How can I not cry? And Hashem will answer every Jew. And when my children were separated from me for thousands of years, you never cried for it, huh? When the rabbis were begging, give money for CDs, for Kiruv. Give from your miser. One out of a thousand, listen, 999 didn't care at all. Nothing. When the Mekarvim say, help us to save souls. We have the talent, we have the skills, we have the knowledge, we have the Siato Dishmaya, but we don't have money. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an obligation for the entire nation, not for few individuals. All the billionaires, why don't they help? If the billionaire will do it, and will see that he's getting rid of the babies of this dove, believe me, he will cry also. Even if he has $10 billion cash. He will cry. Then when he comes in front of Hashem, Hashem will ask him, Mr. Billionaire, why did you cry over here? He said, how do I do such thing? Like, excuse me, like a Nazi. Take the children away from the mother. That's what the Nazis used to do. How can I not cry? I did it because you ordered me. I will never do it on my own. As a matter of fact, if I could, I would pay a thousand or five thousand dollars not to do it. If I could. If it wasn't a mitzvah. That's what the rich man would answer. And Hashem would answer him back, but what about my sons and my daughters? Sixty thousands of them are married to Arabs in Israel. Another two, three hundred thousands of them married to all kinds of other goyim during the world. Every day in New York, more than 30 intermarriage weddings around you, five minutes away, ten minutes away from your home. Why didn't you care about my children that are getting lost? You could have saved, you could have saved a million of them with your money. Why didn't you do it? This is how it all goes. One thing you do here, is being used against you over there. That's what the police say. Everything you're going to say will be used against you in a court of law. Sometimes it's so true. One word is said to the policeman sends him to 20 years in prison. If he would say, I don't know, there's nothing he can do. He would release him after a day. The fact that he said one word without consulting first with his lawyer, his life was destroyed. And that's exactly it. Magid le'adam masicho, the Navi writes. Afilu sichak tanaim ishto bechadre chadarim. Did you put the air condition off? I'm not sure. Go check. No, I'm tired. Can you go? I had a long day. Moshe, come on, please, have mercy on me. Each one of your kids is like ten terrorists. It's very difficult here. Not only are you not getting me help, you want me now to go and shut it? Please go. But all day I walk like a dog. What is this? In the end he got up and did it. Yom Adin, everything on the screen. Just before we finish, (sighs) 
The reason we read this Maftir Yonah is to show you the power of tshuva. If it work by goim like that, kal vachomer by us with the children of Hashem. It's also taught us that if we're not going to do the right thing, this fact that this goim did tshuva will be used against us in a court of law. That's one of the reasons that a person has to remember this. That's why we read it in mamash moments before tefillat neila. Remember this. It's not, you can be in the middle and it's fine. You're either here or you're there. You're with me or you're against me. There's no in-between. You'll do tshuva, everything will be fine. You won't do tshuva, this goim that did tshuva in inveh, they will make you guilty in a court of law because the satan will use them. The satan, as you know, is gematria 364. The gemara says, why? Because one day here he doesn't have permission to be mekatreg. On Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, he cannot come and say, this guy did this, this guy did that. He doesn't have power on Yom Kippur. But what do we learn from here? That 364 days, 24 hours a day, the Satan is pushing cases against us nonstop. Look what he just said. Look what Kari bought. Look what house he's building. Look how he behaved to his wife. Look what a horrible father. Look what a cheap guy he is. Look when the poor people are starving and they look how little they, he gives them. Look how much he eats. Look how much he lies. Non-stop. Could be millions of things like this. Millions. Satan mekatreg. Sometimes people say, don't speak Musar. You mekatreg. It's kitrug. Not once I heard them saying the Satan mekatreg non-stop for 70 years on their life. They don't worry about it. The speaker spoke a little bit Musar from Shulchan Aruch or from uh, Misrat Yesharim or Rambam. They already cannot sleep at night. People, when they go up to the Aliyah in Parashat Kitavo, imagine if you call a Gvir and give him Aliyat Shishi with all the curses. He will never ever come to Daven by you after that. What, you wishing me all these 98 curses? 98 curses of a year, 49 in Bechukotai, 147 horrible curses. Nobody is worried during the year. One rabbi says something, oh, it's too strict. World of lies, Alma de Shikra. Care about what he say? You should only care what the Torah say. What difference does it make what he say? What he say, it's in the Torah or not? If it's not in a Torah, he can say whatever he wants. Who cares? If it's in a Torah and he didn't say it, does it make a difference? Why do you so worry about what he said? You have to worry what Hashem said. The Gemara say, what does it mean to anu et nafshotechem? How do you torture yourself? How? The Gemara asks, Yachol yoshev b'chama u b'tzina kedeh sh'itztair? Let's sit in the sun, 110 degrees. Get cooked all day, sweating with your tie like this, choking you, you're dripping sweat. It's very good, torturing myself. Or if it's in a cold country, instead of sitting inside by the heat, sit by the snow, freeze. Oh, the skin is yellow. That's a, that's a torture. Begmara said, Talmud Lomar, v'chol melacha lo ta'asu. What's the connection? 
כל מלאכה לא תעשו, הן תענו את נפשותיכם. The answer, מה מלאכה שווה תעשה, אף עינוי שווה תעשה. Don't run to look for tortures. שווה תעשה, meaning don't eat, you don't drink, you don't do these things. Five עינויים. Five עינויים. But the main thing, besides the five Inuim, like I told us tonight, what is it? Is the tshuva. If a person did all this torture 5,000 times, straight, and in the end he did not do tshuva, nothing will help. If he did tshuva without Yom Kippurim, without fasting, without torture, on a different day, it will help. Not as much as Yom Kippur, maybe, but it will help all year round. It's no limitation when to do tshuva. You're going to fast 5,000 days in your life without tshuva. It's not going to help. The people of Nineveh, they also fasted. They also sat outside in the sun with ashes and sack. Do you know sack? The Mekubalim in Yerushalayim, they were wearing sacks under their jackets. Rav Yaakov Mutsafi, Rav Salman Mutsafi, Rav Ben Zion Abba Shaul, all the big giant Chachamin Sadikim and Mekubalim, they were wearing potato sack under their clothes. It's itching all day. People wear top of the line fine wool, tzitzit, all day complaining, hot, Rabbi, hot, humid, it's itching. It's very hot. They were wearing potato sack. I have a picture with a mutsafi potato sack. You know these potato sacks? It's very itching. I don't know what it's made from. Polyester, wool. I don't know what they do it from. In the heat of Israel. But hiding it under the jackets. Not to get a, you know, attention, show off. But what? All the suffering with the sack, it's not equal to one hour of tshuva. And that's the answer that Hashem gave Yonah, and we'll finish with that. Hashem said to Yonah in the end, I know what you're thinking. These people will go back to Bireshaim, and you're right. But I want you to know one thing. Even tshuva for one day, it's something huge in Shemaim. One time I asked a rabbi in a seminar, what's the point of all these people by the end of the three-day seminar? They get on a stage, they put tzitzit, they all say, wow, you showed me the truth. I cannot believe in what darkness I used to live until now. Bezrat Hashem, I'm going to be Shomer Mitzvot from now on. Half of them goes back to be the way they used to be. So what's the point? Maybe we skip that. Whoever wants to be knows how to be. Finished. The answer, the fact that this person stands in front of an audience right now and accept all Malchut Shamaim and put tzitzit and say Shema Israel and say Shechianu and say in front of everyone that he does tshuva will help him in Yom Adi. You may ask, wait a minute, but the Prophet Yechezkel contradict this. What does it say? Beshuv HaTzadik Mitzitkotav if he became tzaddik for two weeks and then he went back to Birasha, all the good days are gone. No? That's what it's written in the Navi. The answer, Baruch Hashem, no. 
what? Beshuv HaTzadik mitzitkotav doesn't mean that he became now Chiloni again. That's Yetzirah, like someone there said. Yetzirah surrender him. When he actually spoke back then in a seminar, that's exactly what he felt. And Hashem knows. Hashem choker klayot valev. He did full tshuva right now. Later, chazar lesuro kekelev ashav al kiyo. Like the dog returned to what he vomit. But the moment that he did tshuva, it in Shamaim it count this particular day. You did tshuva me life. You die a minute later, you die tzadik. You wouldn't go to Gehenom. Later, Hashem irachem, chazar lesuro. But the point here right now, what the Navi wrote is, Beshuva Tzadik, meaning before he dies at any time, he says in his mouth, I regret that I kept all these mitzvot. Chaval shaiti dati. Chaval shaiti charedi. Maya tzali liot chasid. What did I get? Look at my life. I didn't make money, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. Look at my brother, he became a goy. He had life, he had this, he had money and that. What did I have? Chaval. If I could, I would go back to my 20s and go off the derech back then. If someone thinks or says something like this, then he's losing everything. But Baruch Hashem, we do at night. We have Moda Vegilui Dad, the Ben Ishchai said. That we said that before we die, the Satan would come to offer us more life. Remember this. The Satan would come and say, your time is arrived. You see tons of eyes and a sword around you. And you get very scared just to look at the Satan. Satan is standing right there. It's a pasuk in a Tanakh. It's not fairy tales. With a sword in his hand. It's written in a Tanakh. So what does it say? You look, it's full of eyes. And a person begins to shake. Why? He's about to take my soul out. And the Satan says, I'm going to give you 15 more years of life. If you tell me now, you confess now, and say that you regret for keeping all these shtuyot, all these mitzvot, I guarantee you to give you 15 more years of life. Some people get panic. Okay, okay, I, I regret, I regret. I regret. A person may say to the Satan, okay, okay, give me life, I regret. And then a person lose everything and die. So what do we do? There's Modave in the Sidur Od Yosef Chai, there's Modave Gilui Dat. If I ever declare that I regret that I made mitzvot, right now I declare that it's nonsense. I never were going to mean that. I declare right now that all the mitzvot I do and I did and I will do is 100% with full intention and desire, with no regret. There's a whole nusach over there. Why? God forbid. So temporary tshuva is something big. How do we learn it from Avraham Avinu? ואת הנפש אשר עשו בחרן, אברהם מגייר את הגברים, שרה מגייר את הנשים. All these gerim Shavram made Chazal told us they all became back Reshaim. They went back to be what they used to be. So why the Torah is too bothered telling me about someone who became Baal Shuva for X amount of time and went back to be a Goy? Why do you even mention it? Better not to mention it, no? You see that even for one day it's worth something. But at the same time, what do you see? 
Someone that did tshuva, but the tshuva is incomplete, he needs to come back in Gilgul and suffer, and that's what happened to Terach. Terach, the father of Avraham Avinu, needed to come back, and he came back as Eov. All the suffering of Eov, because he was Terach in his previous life. Why he had to suffer so much? The answer, because he was Machti Arabim. And that's the secret, what Chazal told us, Machti Arabim, and Maspikim be'yadol asot tshuva. What do you mean, and Maspikim? Every Machti Arabim has the same exact choice like someone that is not Machti Arabim. He's Rasha and he's Rasha. He's Machti Arabim and he's not Machti Arabim. They came to seminar or they listened to a good CD. They both became Balei Tshuva in one day or in one week. It happens all the time. Very famous Machti Arabim, movie stars, DJs, women who used to walk not mothers on the street. They became very religious. They were big Machti Arabim. Models, movie stars, they were big Machti Arabim. Some of them, their films are continuing to do damage in the world while they became tzaddikim. So what does it mean? Machti Arabim and Maspikim Beadolasot Tshuva. The answer is, of course he can do Tshuva. And there's no interference with Hashem. But now when he became Baal Tshuva, his mitzvot are not maspik, not enough to consider a full Tshuva. Because he has so many averot of the public, it's not enough. He became Baal Tshuva age 40, age 50, age 60. He has 10, 20, 30 more years to live. In 20 years that you put feeling and learn Daf Yomi, you think you overcome the billions of averot that you made in the world? What do you think? It's a joke. Especially when the people continue to make sins. So Hashem sends him back in the next world, Isurei Yov. After he gets so much suffering, then he turns the scale to the positive side. Isurim, Memarkim Ta'avonot. We all hate Isurim. We don't even want to sweat, and I'm talking about myself. We hate to lose a penny, and a dollar, and a hundred dollars, and a million. And we don't want pain, and we don't want aggravation, and we don't have patience, and everything that doesn't work according to our ways, we complain. And the food is not so delicious today, and why did I come to this wedding? It's a waste of time, and why did I do this, and why there's a delay in the flight? Tons of complaints, but in reality, based on the Torah, et asher yoav Hashem yeyasro, Hashem loves you, he pushed suffering all, every day to your life. The big tzaddikim, when they saw they had 40 days without, without suffering, they used to pick up rocks and clean the roads. Back in the day, they didn't have roads like today. There were rocks in the middle. It's dangerous for the horses. They used to move, pick it up and move it. What are you doing, Rabbi? I don't want Hashem to pay me in this world. 40 days, no suffering, something is not right. And it's Kabbalah that someone that has 40 days without suffering, chas v'shalom, is a chance that Hashem pays him in this world. Chas v'shalom. So what does he do? Right away he runs to get his surim on himself. I don't want chas v'shalom to, to get my schar in this world. Yiratzon bezrat Hashem, that we will be able to do tshuva between now and Yom Kippur, in case we are benoinim, will turn into the positive sign. We must take advantage on this. But not only the slichot and reading and chatanu avinu pashanu, that's very important. 
The main thing is mamash to, to feel that your heart is broken to a thousand pieces. Look at yourself, like they say in America, how can you look at yourself in a mirror? If Mashiach come, we would be able to come and say, nice to meet you, Mr. Mashiach. Would we be able to? There's five brachot that we have to say when Mashiach comes. I think that by the time we're going to say Baruch Shechalak Mikvorato Lezen Mikhochmato Baruch All the brachot that we have to say Before we finish one bracha will faint from the embarrassment Who will have the nerve to come to Mashiach That right away knows exactly who we are He knows if you Kohen, he knows if you Levi, he knows everything Yes, Hashem Mitaberbo It's like standing in front of a Kresh Baruch Right away he'll know who you are if an hour, an hour ago you watch something on your computer or on your phone, how are you going to show your face in front of Mashiach? You can do it by your rabbi, because rabbi cannot, he's not choker klayot valev, but how are you going to do it in front of Mashiach? If a person comes in front of Mashiach from the embarrassment, he would run to hide in the mountains. We want to be able to get to a situation that if Mashiach comes, we won't have what to hide for. Here, here I am, look, I suffer. Every day I eat my heart for my Averos. I'm trying my best. I give a lot of money. And I work very hard for this money. So I buy mitzvot. Since I know I'm such a loser, I'm not such a great Baal Tshuva, at least I take my nefesh. Adam wa nefesh. Mazer in Hebrew, blood. Money. Meshalem lo damib. Money, if a person, ani chashuv kemet. Person give all his money. It's considered like he died. Mitato, kaparato. Somebody steal money from another person. Kilu gozel et nafsho. Why? Gozel lo damim. Money, it takes some blood to make. Ten hours a day, it's a lot of blood. If a person walk a month, you stole all his monthly salary, you took a month from his life. Money is life. 100%. There's no such thing. Life and money, it's one thing. It takes X amount of time to make this money. So when a person works so hard and is willing to come and take six or 10 or 20 or 50 days of the year and give it out to save Neshamot, to help Talmud Torah, things like this, that's a very good tshuva. Because right away the Satan is mute. He's afraid to bring your case up because from bad, it turns right into good. If one word of Satan is going to come and say, look, this guy, what time is Daven? Look, look at him, how he learns Torah. Look at him, how he dresses. Look at him, how he does this. Right away, the Sanegor comes and says, excuse me, excuse me. This guy just gave two months of his years to a stranger. He doesn't even know why, because they learn Torah. That's the real guy. The rest is all Yetzerara. The real guy is, he took two months of his life this year and gave it out. Well, what they can do? Nothing they can do. The Zohar says someone is Mezake Arabim, he cannot be judged. He didn't say someone is Mezake Arabim by his mouth. No? In any possible way. With his money, with his home, with his car, by walking and giving out CD. I gave 100,000 CDs a few days before Rosh Hashanah in Israel. 100,000 CDs I gave in Israel. Not me, my, my people, my great people, the team that Hashem sent me. 
The day that we went to give CDs, the Satan was so suffering that he brought the ofech. You couldn't see. In the middle of the day, it became dark. Everywhere, brown, dust, everywhere. People going with masks. The Satan is willing to change the law of nature. <laughs> the Jews won't run and grab CDs. Why? But Baruch Hashem, the people didn't get scared. 90,000, they were able to give. 10,000, they gave the next day. But they gave. Now, Bezrat Hashem, right after Sukkot, we're going to give 1 million this year. We already decided we're going to give 1 million CDs. Four different collections. Four and Baruch Hashem, when you do such quantity, the price goes lower and lower. It's worth it. The more, the better. Because the more you give, the less the cost is. And Bezrat Hashem, it's going to cost a lot of money. You're going to need hundreds of thousands of dollars, but it's worth it. It's going to save thousands of Israelis that are lost. Baruch Hashem, I can tell you already, for all the people who work in the previous year, they helped, they donated on my website, divineinformation.com, that if they were able to read so many hundreds of emails that I got this year of Baalei Tshuva, actually I should say thousands, not hundreds, because I get many every day, of people who were 100% like Goim, in within a month became full Bale Tshuva, who goes to Daven, some of them in Minyan already, going to learn, they got feeling, they put mezuzahs in their door, some of them were about to marry Goim, they canceled it, some of them were eating the worst strafe thing. Today I got an email from a person, I was planning to do the biggest Avera you can imagine on Yom Kippur on purpose to show my brother there's no such thing Hashem. You, his brother is in Yeshiva and he's a big Rasha. He wrote to me, I was, I, I was, my plan was to make the biggest Avera and to show my brother that my ear this year will be not less than his ear when he's such a tzaddik. But then I picked up your CD and I listen, and I just realize what a fool I am. So not only I'm not going to make any Avera, I accepted to become full Baal Tshuva. That was already worth it. 100,000 CD for this guy alone was already worth it. Ma, the profit was made already. Now everything else is bonus. Bezrat Hashem. I always tell people, buy mitzvot, buy. We're not going to be David Amelech. Forget about it. Don't live in illusion. We're not going to be Avraham Avinu. We're not going to be Rabbi Elazar ben Dordaya that cry until he died. We only cry when we lose money, unfortunately. So between you and me, probably the chance that we're going to cry so much from our Averos and Lajonara until we die from a broken heart is not so high. So the only other alternative is to sponsor Kiruv and Torah, Kiruv and Torah, all the time. Kiruv and Torah, Kiruv, Kiruv, saving Neshamot, Neshamot, another, another Yid, another one, another one, another one. This is a, it's become a nation eventually. One Jew can turn into a nation. I always tell the story. One Georgian guy gave me a check for $1,500. When was that? About 15, 16 years ago when I came out with my first video cassette. Informatia Elokit, divine information. That's how I call my website after this movie. I said, how much it costs you to make? I said, $1 for video cassette. I ordered it from a Yid in, in Lakewood. $1 per cassette. And the Yid gave half a price. Because when he heard what this film is for, right away he cut 50% of the cost. 
I want to have a share in it. So I said, one dollar for video cassette, with the cover, with everything, with delivery to Monsi, one dollar. He said, okay, first 1,500 for me. One of those cassettes I gave to one Jew from Las Vegas who came to New York, married his wife, they became religious, they have five kids right now, seven Jewish souls got saved right here. He gave it to his brother and his wife, five kids, another seven neshamot, 14 already from this one dollar that this guy gave. His father and mother already also became religious, 16. His sister, her husband, and six kids, another eight. 24 neshamot for one dollar that this Georgian guy gave. What happened with the other $1,499? Only Hashem knows. We'll find out when we get there. But already one time I told him, back then, before it became 24, when it was only five or six, in the beginning, I already told him, oh, your investment already was the best investment you ever made. Today, it's already much more. And eventually, they have more kids and grandkids. At one point, it will be a thousand neshamot in Torah and mitzvot. There's, there's no end to how much this guy will make. No end. Every mitzvah they do, one of them is in yeshiva all day. The other one is doing big kiruv. He's, he's in charge of all the distribution of the cities in Israel. He runs everything, him and his wife. Everything goes to that Jew. Businessman, clever, right away, without asking, took his checkbook, I want to start first 1500. This is how it works, and the people don't get it. We can do a tshuva a million times, it won't be like making a thousand ballet tshuva in your lifetime, as far as mitzvot. Because the best case scenario, Hashem will waive all your punishments. No punishment. And will give you rewards for the mitzvot you did. How much mitzvot? How many mitzvot we do? If you became Baal Tshuva age 40 or 50 or whatever, and you lived another 20, 30 years, and you learned an hour or two a day, and you put filin and talits and daven and all this, everything together, maybe one million mitzvot. Maybe five million mitzvot. You do 1,000 Baal Tshuva, they do millions of mitzvot for you every month, forever, for eternity. It's a very good investment. That's why the Satan puts all his efforts to fight the few speakers in the world that really makes Bali Tshuva. A lot of people say Kiruv, 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 but they're not productive. But there are few that are very productive. And from them, you can see that the Satan fight them the most. You see it clearly. There's not one day with rest. Others, the Satan is not, is very happy. Give him, give him the money. It's okay. He makes barbecue, guitar on the beach. I'm not worried about this kind of Kiruv. Trips to Israel to see beautiful things, 6,000 a person, give, give millions. Well, who cares? You send 1,000 people to Israel, maybe one will be Shomer Shabbos. Not even. And I'm talking to you from facts. Give millions, I don't care. Good, the money, instead of going to real Kiruv, go to fake Kiruv. Students, you pay them to come to a shiur here and there, but the shiurim are so mellow. So not productive. Now one person leaves the shiur with regrets in his mind from, from the way he, be, he lives. Just he comes, he learns basic things, and goes back to his averos. Because fortune, even in Kiru, you have to know how to invest. Even in Torah, you can give to a guy cigarette, coffee, half of the days outside by the coffee machine. Or you can give to a guy who killed himself on a Torah. It's nice, equal like a hundred like him. This guy, 
is like a hundred of, of this guy in Shammai. It's not different. It's, it's not the same. There's a huge difference here. One Talmid Chacham Amel Batorah Amiti. No internet, no smartphone, no vacation, no cholamoe trips. Machur la Torah, addicted to the Torah, is equal to a hundred or maybe a thousand others who sits next to him in yeshiva. It's about time that people would understand that. By Hashem, it's go by quality. The quality, not just quantity, quantity. Quality, one good one, it can be equal like a thousand. And that's the secret of the pasuk in Shira Shirim, Dodi Arad Legano, Lilkot Shoshanim. One rose Hashem picks up is equal like thousands of thorns in a field. Instead of killing a thousand Jews, chas v'shalom, he take one big tzaddik. He gave life for another thousand that was supposed to go. Why? Because on a scale, equal like all thousands of them combined. Or sometimes 10,000. Or sometimes children. All these tragedies that happen with children, there can be a huge sacrifice for tens of thousands of reshaim that should die. That Hashem said, let me take seven or ten children this week to Gan Eden. I take them. That's a huge tragedy. It keeps the Satan quiet for another two, three months. That 10,000 Jews maybe will have an opportunity to do tshuva. That's how it works. Korban, mamash like this. Here at Son, like I said, Bezrat Hashem, I speak to myself. And then if you hear, Baruch Hashem, it's very good. That we will do real tshuva. And we live always by the truth. The emet is above everything. Enough with the stereotypes, things. Enough with this nonsense. Enough with racism. Enough with all the things that happens in our world. It's about time to, to make this world that we live in healthier. Because how long this fake would last? How long? Eventually, the history shows that the Frum communities pay horrible prices for living fake, fake Judaism. Fake. It's not real. It has to be real. Has to be Lashem Shamaim. It has to be not because of what, what's in it for me. Without politics, without who are you, where are you from, are you one of us, you're not one of us, you're from the community, what kind, your accent, your color of the skin, without all these things, because for Kashmarhu, these things mean nothing. Hashem doesn't care what country the Jew was born, if his child was born here. Rav Ovadia, in his book, he says, My son Abraham was born in Egypt. He's the chief rabbi of Hulon. Other one was born in Israel. This when he was the chief rabbi of Cairo. He was, he was born in Egypt. He said he couldn't find Moel Shomer Shabbat. He went to Alexandria to someone, Chacham over there, to do the Brit Milah, because the Moel over there was Michal Shabbos. You understand? So do you think Hashem care if the rabbi was born in Cairo, or in, uh, in Germany, or in Tel Aviv? Does he care? Yeah, only Hashem cares is my son, or is not my son, finished. Doesn't really matter where he's from and what food he eats and what kind of hat he wears. People are focusing on so much nonsense in this world, but the main things in life nobody pays attention to. Mamash, it's a killer. There are children who suffer just because of their name. There are people who suffer because of the way they talk. There are such things that happen in our community that when you read it, your heart is exploding. And that's the real tshuva. If we do Bezrat Hashem tshuva and we live in unity, Mashiach will come be Merabi Amenu. Shana Tova, Gmar Khatima Tova.